Hello again. Welcome to another podcast, Talk Architecture, and your host, Naziadi Muhammad Yaakob. And today we have part two. Part two, interior of architecture and the subheading of human being and his or her relationship with the built environment. This is the second part in relation relation to the earlier one where we discuss about the 15 minutes idea or the 15 minute city. So further to that, before we go into the human relationship with the built environment, is interesting that the same author that I mentioned earlier mentioned that during a disability mobility initiative, a program this person direct at Disability Rights Washington, they spend the last six months interviewing people who can't and don't drive to understand our unmet mobility needs. In interview after interview, people shared how often they have had to make difficult decisions between living closer to transit and services and living places they could more easily afford. Oh yeah, I myself had had this problem um, because I knew that as I grow older, I, I can't afford to be sitting in traffic jams, uh, partly due to my, my lower left, my lower limbs limitation. Of course, uh, I could um, have uh, hand controls and not use my lower limbs, but I didn't. Um, so it's always a higher cost when it comes to wanting to join the rat race and being disabled. Uh, there is the workplace, there is the, um, what do you call the house, house nearby to the workplace or far from the workplace, the commute and so on. So yeah, I do recall that as a disabled person with economic privilege, like myself, choose to live in areas with good sidewalks, bus and light rail services. Myself, I, I chose to live nearer to my workplace. So there are many people, they cannot afford to live near to their work area. And so they need to have a regular fixed route transit service. So depending on the situation in in different countries or different localities, this is quite, it seems to be commonplace, even if I was in Malaysia and compared to people who are in the US, um, in Malaysia, even more difficult because um, uh, there's no discrimination laws um, to protect persons or to, to enhance the rights of persons with disabilities or empower. Um, now, we talk about a lot of things. We can talk about a lot of things, but in, in essence, it's about the human being and the built environment and the relationship with it. And the detailed design, whether there is the ease of access, whether you can uh, use the facility and whether you can um, 
it's safe to use the facility. It's really, you know, who wants to design that detail? Who, what, the, the designers out there, do they know what to do, how to design in detail when they do detail design, whether they could empathize thoroughly. If you're a designer in your 20s and you don't go through the difficulties somebody goes through if they're in the 60s or 70s, how would you empathize with um, others? Even if you want to, even if you want to design as detailed as possible to, to ease, you know, to have all this excess safe and, and usable uh, principles in your design, never mind the universal design and principles. And with a lot of compartmentalization in the design process, different people dealing with different parts, different stages, uh, planning and, and building and tender documentation when you have the contracts and then going on to site, we call it contract implementation stage. And, and finally, the users come in and they find so many, so they find that it's a lot of think a problematic for them, especially if it's a public building designed for them. So how could you negotiate this? So it, are you someone who would design with the standards in mind? Of course, everyone can design with the standards in mind. You have a lot of standards, but sometimes they contradict or sometimes they're different standards. What should you do? So you follow the your country standard. And sometimes the standards are not enough. You have to interpret it and um, <clears throat> because you have to suggest the material or the specifications or the detail for it, but there is no guidance. Much of this is to do with your ability to innovate and your ability to, uh, to actually interpret the standards and it's understanding why the dimensions are as such. If you were to think about reachability, the idea of how disabled persons in a wheelchair reach uh, you can actually discern, okay, I need to have these uh, at a lower level or I, the people can actually reach them. And I, you know, a bit like that already is considered. And then you understand the, the, the dimensions of a wheelchair user and you can understand, okay, then the corridors, the size of the corridors and the turning into one space to another, there is some critical dimensions that I need to be mindful. But... So if you're compelled to watch out for the critical dimensions, you're actually in the mode or in the zone of wanting to be empathetic with, um, with, the, with uh, the user, the user's needs. So can, can, that be a, can that be something that is automatic in, almost all designers to, to have this empathy. It could be as well if one re-educate oneself and it takes a bit of a, a um, some sort of a vision by the company directors, your bosses, or you working on your own to actually want to do this, um, being empathetic 
to the user in your design. So, so hence, you could understand the human being and the relationship to the built environment in terms of the accessibility, the safety and the usability principles of barrier-free design. And on top of that, you can learn, you know, so design principles and go to another level and actually being much more empathetic. And it should serve you well, because then if it will show that you have added the value into your design um, understanding of design. So that should be a good thing. So this theory of architecture podcast that I presented today and sharing with you some ideas on the human relationship with the built environment. Although it seems a practical thing to do in regard to practice, but I'm actually um, echoing the sentiments of what one of our guest speaker, what Lim mentioned that it should be something that's second nature that you don't separate theory from practice. Practicing architecture is along with theory and universal design or barrier-free design or being empathetic is part of theory of architecture. There is some of the concerns that architects had in the past and they call it a lot of things. Maybe there was a social architecture movement by the Dutch structuralists in the 1960s and 70s and hence. And there were other architects who took upon functional aspects of the building to be part and part of the aesthetics, so part of creating the, the comfort or, you know, it's not just, it's not just so uh, sustainable development goals or something, a policy that comes from the United Nations. It's what architects seek for and being that designer that is complete in the sense that trying to achieve good design at the end of the day. So with that, I'd like to conclude the session on theory of architecture. Thank you very much for listening.